I first saw Rod Cooper, my guest today on this podcast, on Instagram, like a lot of people have, no doubt. Uh, he's got quite the following. <clears throat> we were both part of the same business mastermind group. And then we met in person at a retreat. We both went to a sales and marketing retreat where we were being taught tools, strategies, tactics, ways to improve our ability to make sales and to do specifically phone sales. So we came into this retreat with a lot of phone numbers for people who we were going to call and an offering that we had for our businesses at the time. And so there were maybe 12, 15 people here and we had this list of numbers. We might have 12 or 20 or 30 numbers. Rod had recently launched a handstand program and he has over the course of this three-day event hundreds of numbers coming to him. He had, I think, over 700 by the end. He was such an anomaly in terms of the number of people who wanted to work from Rod and learn from Rod that I knew there was something really special going on. I wasn't sure what it was at the time. And since then, I've gotten to know him a lot more and spend a lot of time with Rod. Uh, I'm being very fortunate to, to get that opportunity and today is really cool because on the episode, I feel that we touch into some of the ways that Rod walks through the world, the way his mind ticks, some of the ways that he looks at opportunity and possibility, and some of the way he frames reality to allow him to make such a powerful impact and to step into action so powerfully in his business and outside of it in relationships as well. So we recorded this at his place in Merriweather. Then we went for a surf down at uh, Dixon Park Beach. And then we did some handstands in the sun. We got a thick shake together. So it was a really cool day, really great morning. I hope you enjoy this. Make sure to head over to my website, johntmarsh.com, and go to the podcast because there's some bonus Material, little video I filmed with Rod at his space here at TMC. Going to start to put a little bit more bonus content in the show notes. So you'll be able to find it under his episode there. You can see the space. We do a bit of a tour. It's really cool. If you know of anyone who wants to grow something, wants to explore possibility, wants to uh, you know, develop their passion business, and wants to hit the ground running, is maybe even doing something else at the moment, but wants to create this on the side. This this episode is kind of like a how-to. The way that Rod executes this, the steps he took are perfect. It's really, really cool. Send this along to them. It's worth a listen even a couple of times. And more than that, even just getting into his headspace a little bit in terms of how he's looking at things like risk and possibility opportunity. Hope you enjoy. Check out the show notes. Uh, I'll get started. So here we go. Episode number 25 with Rod Cooper from the Movement Collective. This is the Access Potential Podcast and this is John Marsh. All right, so we've got Mr. Cooper, Rod Cooper here today. Rod, how you doing? I'm very good. Thanks for having me on the show. So I'm really excited to have Rod here. Rod's had a big impact and influence on my own life, which we'll get into 
uh, throughout the show. And also on a lot of people, uh, both around Newcastle, for sure, and then also nationally and internationally as well, which is really cool and a really interesting story. So, Rod, maybe to kick us off for the maybe one or two people who might be following this podcast and not know a bit about who you are, what you're doing, uh, maybe take us through, a lot of times I start with the earlier years, mm-hmm. um, formative years, that kind of thing. Talk us through the first little part of your life, where you came from, what was your upbringing like, uh, whatever sort of pops into your mind. Yeah, cool. So... I grew up in Charlestown and always very active. So I've got an older brother and we'd always spend a lot of time in the bush. Uh, Our house backed onto a really nice bushland. So we'd always be in the bush, like running around, climbing trees, building cubby houses, lighting fires, probably shouldn't have been doing that. Uh, And yeah, just playing around, always really active with a bunch of our mates. Yeah, we'd always be kind of just like, Um, outside all the time. So playing sports, playing football, things like that. Uh, I got a job at McDonald's when I was 14, nine months. I remember that day when I was like 14, nine months, I knew I could get up there and get a job. So I was super keen to to get working. And I've always had a really good work ethic. And I think I get that from my parents. And I think that's carried on through now, like having TMC. I've always, you know, got my head down and working really hard on whatever it is I'm doing, even if I'm working for someone else. So from there, I actually got a job as a chef. So I did my apprenticeship, worked at a bunch of restaurants around Newcastle, down in Swansea and in town. From there, went to working in a brewery. Two of my cousins worked at Blue Tongue Brewery, which is a local brewery in Newcastle. So I started working at the brewery and kind of learned the process from like bottling, filtration, cellaring, fermentation, that kind of stuff, all the way through to brewing. I worked there for about four, four to five years and then kind of got to a stage, I was working down the central coast, they opened this new brewery down there and they spent like one, it was like $120 million on this new brewery, it's absolutely amazing. And I just kind of got to a stage in my life where everything was just seemed a bit too easy. So I was just ticking along, I had the paycheck coming in, I was just kind of like, you know, there's got to be something else to this. So I messaged one of my mates who lived in Sydney, I said, hey, let's go on a trip. Let's get our working holiday visas and let's go somewhere. We decided on Canada, so Vancouver, Canada. When I think back at it now, I think, you know, it's a pretty safe option for me to go to Canada, like English-speaking country, pretty similar to Australia. It was a safe option, but it was something different. Mm-hmm. So we, we made the call a few months later, we got our visas, all that kind of stuff, and we took off on an adventure, traveled through the States a little bit as well, just to see some of the States, probably spent about 12 grand on the way to Canada. The plan was to get there and for us to have enough money that we could kind of like chill for a little bit before we started working. And when we got there, we basically had no money because we spent it all in Vegas and uh, New York as well. And that was in like a week and a half. Yeah. So we got there and we started looking for a job. And because I had, had already experience in uh, like the brewing industry, I was looking at a brewing job. I didn't get that straight away. I got a job as a uh, beer advisor at a bottle shop, at a liquor store. So I was basically my job to know all the different types of beer that they had. And they had about a thousand different types of beer, I think. Like it was a really cool bottle shop in Vancouver. 
So for the first few months, I spent heaps of time buying all the beers, sitting down with my roommate and drinking all these beers to know the flavors, profile, you know, the smell, taste, that kind of stuff. So I could advise the people, the customers on what the beer tasted like. So it was kind of my responsibility to drink beer at one point. Sounds, sounds stressful. It was. And then, uh, yeah, so I eventually got a job in the brewing industry at uh, a place called Steamworks. And it was really cool. There was an Australian guy, uh, Keelan. He was just the uh, being employed as the head brewer. So I had an interview with these guys, and I got the job. And they were building a brewery that was similar to the one that I worked at, Blue Tongue. So everything worked out really well. I got the job. And I was basically just, yeah, working, working my ass off mm-hmm. for quite some time. And it got to a point where... Again, I t- kind of got a little bit comfortable. I was just kind of doing the day-to-day, and I felt like I needed to do something else, and that's where I kind of come up with the idea to start my own business. Mm. But I didn't know what that was at that time. It might have been a coffee shop or a brewery, or I just didn't know. Tell me a little bit about uh, one thing there. <clears throat> so a big part of this podcast is kind of picking up on questions and story and attributes or traits from people who effectively are making stuff happen that's kind of like if you if you zoom out it's kind of like making the things that they want come into fruition creating a a future reality or a possibility when you landed uh i want to talk about risk as well later and you mentioned Mm -hmm. spent some time in vegas and 12 grand down but anyway we'll get to that before i want to get to that talk to me about in, in this idea of getting so you get to canada foreign land you don't have a job. What's your mindset like? Like you switched countries, you got to get a job. You got no money because you lost it all, or you mm-hmm. spent it all, or enjoyed it all. <laughs> <laughs> How do you? What did? What's your mindset like? Who, who are you? Just knocking on doors? What are you doing? Are you connecting? What's your? Yeah, just so at that stage, just searching for the job. Like I'm, I'm not a, the type of person to sit back and kind of just let it come to me. So yep. yeah, I was going to all the different bottle shops. I'd actually physically go in there. So I sent a bunch of emails off to all the breweries, but actually, you know, caught, I didn't have a car. So I caught public transport to the breweries and the bottle shops and things like that or anywhere, you know, retail stores. And I went in there with my resume and just, you know, just went for it. Yeah. And I ended up getting, getting that job like pretty soon after. Yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah, I think it's, it's super interesting and important. I think it's something that kind of I see carry across into when you do start the business and to stepping into that action quickly. Yeah. Um, which I want to talk about. And just about finding solutions straight away. Yeah. I kind of, yeah, I don't really want to get sympathy from everyone, anyone. Yeah. If I'm in a situation, I try to find a solution straight away and yeah. I try to resolve that, that issue, whatever it is. So... Do you think I was going to get to this later, but talk to me a little bit about your upbringing. You said you're playing with snakes, lighting fires. Uh, I know you skated and surfed and these other things too. Talk to me about risk at an earlier age and up until this point where you're thinking about starting your business. You know, you said you were at the, the Blue Tongue Brewery or here in Australia and things felt too comfortable. Mm-hmm. Would you say that there's something in your upbringing that was nurtured to to feel that out, to kind of flesh out something around that idea of risk? Taking risks? I don't think so. Like, I feel like um, 
like my parents are really loving and had the really amazing upbringing and they were really hard workers, but I don't think they took massive risk. So I don't think it really comes from, from that. There must, must be some sort of fire inside me that kind of gets to that stage of comfort and then I'm looking for something else. Mm. And I think it's fairly calculated as well. Not in terms of like figuring out the numbers and having like a strategy and a, like a plan drawn out, but more intuition, mm. like feeling that it's the right decision to make mm. and feeling that it's the right kind of, it's almost excitement for me. Mm. So it's not fearful. I kind of like just keep stepping and like pushing the edge would be a good way to describe it. So I find that edge and like, what you know, what can I do next? What's next? One of the posts I wrote, I think it was a couple of days ago, actually, coincidentally, was around risk. <clears throat> And it was really like you have you have risk with possibility. You have no risk. If you don't want any risk, you have to th- be willing to throw away all possibility. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you're seeing, you're not really seeing, you know, we talk about the word risk, but it's not really like the risk is a thing. It's more like the possibility is a thing and you're okay with the risk that comes with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost at times I don't even see the risk. Yeah, yeah. Like... It's quite often times people will tell me, like, I'll have an idea about TMC, about moving forward, about a new event or something like that. And I'll be talking to someone and in my head, all it is is opportunity and excitement. And then someone will be like, what about this? And it will be, you know, like I'm I'm an optimist. So I'm like, what's, you know, it's always going to be good. But then they bring up, you know, what could go wrong, which actually probably is important to think about as well. But for me, it's not like a natural thing for me to think about the worst case scenario. I'm going to talk about, I want to talk, pick your brain about this idea of prototype thinking and, and um, action later on. Mm-hmm. Just quickly, let's get to, uh, you're thinking about your own business, you're feeling like there's some upside in your potential, there's things you could do, possibility. You're, at the, you're in Canada and you're thinking about cafes or whatever, but you know you want to do your own thing, which super, I think kind of resonates with a lot of people. I wouldn't say super common, but... Uh, definitely a lot of people would have felt this. What happened next, especially especially in your mind and your actions, what were the next steps? So the next step was to actually pinpoint what I wanted to do. So like I said before, it could have been I was really into coffee and to beer because I was working at a brewery, but I just didn't really have that you know solid idea of what it was. I just knew I wanted to do something. And at the time, I was training movement. So I was training at Origins Parkour and doing tricking classes, a little bit of parkour, some hand balancing. I'd done a bunch of movement workshops. And I you'd think... Done, when you say you'd done a bunch of movement workshops, you were a participant? Yeah, so you weren't right. teaching. Student. You were no, just, no. Yeah. So I, I actually didn't teach until I came back to Australia. And you had never done, besides the sport and general activity you never done an actual let's call it like a practice no I played soccer until I was 16 and then from 16 up until 27 that's when I moved over to Canada yeah I didn't do any of the stuff that I'm doing now so you're 20 28 30 when you started doing a movement practice yeah like 27 28 when I was over there yeah and I'm 34 now so Yeah. yeah it's been about six years or so okay yeah and So that was a big kind of drive and a big passion in my life. And it kind of, yeah, I I guess I figured out, I think it was maybe after taking one of these workshops, I started to think, hmm, like maybe I could make, you know, something out of this. Maybe I could start teaching movement. So the first thing that I did was find a mentor. So Anthony, a guy that runs uh, a gym in Port Moody, 
which is like a CrossFit gym. And they were doing some movement stuff as well, and they hosted a bunch of people. And so what I was doing from that point, once I decided that I wanted to open up my own space, I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know the name. I just knew that I needed to know more about running a gym, coaching, teaching, progressions, that kind of stuff. I would drive out to, I'll catch the bus an hour out to Port Moody and I would do a session with him. So like a mentoring session, I would shadow his classes. Eventually by the end of it, I would start to kind of co-teach with him as well, just to get a little bit of experience. So that was my first kind of step. Also listening to podcasts, audiobooks. there wasn't a, you know, a minute that went by in that period that I didn't have, you know, my headphones on listening to uh, personal development or business, that kind of stuff. So you're still, so this is kind of key. You're working, you're still working. You still mm-hmm. got your paycheck. Full time. Yep. Full time. You're seeking out, because this is, this is a cool pattern. And I've, I've done this pattern a lot as well. You're working, you're supporting yourself and you're seeing possibility in another area. And then you found the mentor that you're traveling with like public transport to get to. Yeah. And at this point, is it still kind of like you're not 100% sure, okay, this is my business, this is my future, but you've got this sense of like there's something that's pushing you forward to keep going because you can see a change, you're seeing something happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talk, so talk about that a little bit. Like I think this is really, really interesting. So people. I think what you're saying is like uh, growth or learning. So it, it kind of didn't matter that eventually I would open up a gym at that stage, I wanted to move out of that comfortable zone. And as long as I was learning and growing, which I really felt like I was by training at Origins, taking these workshops, doing the mentorship, I kind of felt like I was moving in the right direction. But I still hadn't, you know, the, who knows what direction yeah. that is. It's just yeah. moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, then, then what happened? So then that kind of went on for maybe like the... So I stayed there for about two years. So like the whole time I was over there, I was training movement and started to build up the business. Uh, Actually, I don't think I've said this before, but we were originally going to open up with someone else. So one of my friends back home in Australia was sort of training similar type stuff like movement or calisthenics. And we had organized to set up the business together. That fell through. So then... And it was only a few months before I came back, before I was planning on opening. So I had to really quickly change my ideas around that. So over a couple of beers with my roommate, we designed the logo and we designed the name. So just a brainstorming session over a couple of pale ales in Canada and come up with the Movement Collective, the logo design. He's an interior designer, so he's got some design skills. So he drew up the, the logo and all that kind of stuff. Um, but leading into that point of like, figuring out what the, uh, what the name was going to be and the concept. Um, there was a lot of planning. I, like I said, I was always listening to podcasts and things like that. I was researching other websites, other gyms, um, trying to find out other people that had done something similar. And at the time there was no one really doing what I wanted to create. Mm. And in the beginning, I really wanted to just do one-on-one sessions. So my business model, my business plan that I drew out was teaching one-on-one. I was like, you know, there's no way I can teach this kind of stuff in a group environment. It would have to be one-on-one because what I want to teach is very individual. And that, yeah, well, after the first week of starting, I realized that that wasn't really going to work out. So So let's go to uh, just quickly the last, I guess, kind of the last little bit of nuts and bolts. 
on that journey. So you're back. Did you coach people outdoors to start off or like no, in other so spaces? I had or? organized the space. So okay. before I came back to Australia, I had, so we organized the name, had the logo, uh, registered all of those. I just had to get my first aid certificate. Actually, when I was working at the brewery, I was doing my Cert 3 and Cert 4 to get insurance. Remotely? Yeah. 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 So, so you're online. in Canada doing it remotely? Yeah. So I was brewing and I was also, yeah, yeah. doing that online course. And yeah, just so I could have everything in place. So when I came back to Australia, as soon as I landed, I could, you know, get started straight away. So I could hit the ground running. Yeah. The only thing I had to do was my first aid certificate, which I did in the first week. So all that was planned before I got back. First aid certificate. The following week, I taught my first couple of private sessions. And before I moved back as well, just like really pumping the kind of marketing or advertising. So I was letting everyone know a few people from Australia had followed my journey in Canada, showing, I showed like progressions of me, like learning how to do a handstand, increasing mobility, all that kind of stuff. So kind of gathered a lot of interest from a few of my friends and people in Australia or Newcastle. So I actually had two people signed up before I even landed in Australia. So they had bought packages actually before I taught any movement. So you'd already priced out packages and stuff? Yeah, all of that stuff. It was yeah. all nutted out. It was all on the website. I just like worked so hard to get it all done. And yeah, before I had trained anyone, I had people purchase um, like a product, you know, like a five-class yeah. pass or something like that, you know, five-session pass. Yeah. Then on the first week, I decided to a, a cool way to get people in might be and to introduce them to movement would be a workshop. So on the first Sunday that I started, I had about 20 people or so in my workshop, just advertising through social media. And the following week, I think I did another one and then had another 20. I'm like, this is awesome. Like I can just keep doing workshops every weekend. Obviously that kind of fizzles out a little bit yeah. and you've got to kind of spread them out and come, you know, come up with new concepts and ideas. Um, but I think by running the workshops gave me the idea that classes would be a better option for the majority of people because I wanted to include everyone. I didn't want to just have the people that could afford it that, you know, that were wealthy enough to afford the sessions with me. I wanted everyone to experience what I had felt when I'd learned uh, what movement is and how good it could be for your body. Mm. Talk to me a little bit about, I want to come back to, you mentioned something there around you, you were providing progressions mm -hmm. and I want to come back to this concept of generosity and ways to add value because I think that's a posture that's really critical. Like you got the first two people, right? Mm -hmm. And then it scales, the generosity scale, especially with the digital age. But I want to uh, I want to ask you a big part of this, or a big uh, a big kind of interest of mine is this concept of playfulness, and not always the way that it's always talked about. But to me, when we have playfulness, it's kind of sits in this triangle, and it can only really exist. And if you kind of think about the three corners of the triangle, is love, safety, and belonging, right? Like as a human, mm -hmm. we can only be playful in this space, in this realm when we have, uh, when we have these in place and we're not looking over the shoulder, you know, of, of whatever that's financial stress or whether it's, you know, someone's coming after you or relationship stress, whatever it is, it stifles playfulness instantly. And I want to know, is that, did you feel that the playfulness, because I will talk about it in terms of TMC now and TMC life and that, 
But when you opened, when you ran the first things, what was the vibe? Because you came in, you come in, open the class, the first time you've ever taught, you got two people who are paying you money. Mm-hmm. You know, surely it's like, oh, am I good enough to do this? Like, but what's the vibe in the mind when you hit the ground? Like, yeah, you got first aid, yeah, you got all these things, but really you got no actual, no actual experience, mm-hmm. like in terms of teaching in Australia, people you know, like there's credibility on the line, all this stuff. How were you walking into that? And was there that playfulness at that stage? You know, what did that look like? Yeah. I still think that it was excitement. Yeah. I was just so pumped that I had learned all these new things when I was away outside of Newcastle and I was able to bring them back. So I, I really don't think that I was like fearful of like stuffing it up and I probably stuff it up and I probably still stuff it up right now. It doesn't matter for me. It's like, you know, it's just a lesson. I take every little stuff up as a lesson and I just kind of move on. I don't kind of dwell on them. So yeah, there was definitely a period where I kind of learned how to teach and my teaching as anyone's teaching gets better by practicing and I'm very action orientated, like you said before. So it's kind of like, I felt like if I was to just not do it and for me to read textbooks or to listen to more podcasts and more audiobooks and to do another course, that wouldn't help me having the skills to actually present in front of a person. So I was just like, let's do it. Yeah. So I just got in front of those people and I think it went really well. I don't think that there was a massive uh, failure at all. Yeah, oh, I'm sure it wasn't. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about... I want to ask you a little bit about... Let's go back to this concept of generosity. And you said two people signed up. You were showing progressions around what you were learning. Yeah. And if I'm over here in Australia, obviously there's a way for me then to, to get value, to, uh, to see something and learn something. What, is, what does generosity mean to you? If, if I mean, use that word or another word, but uh, that's something that I kind of like not position you into that category or anything, mm-hmm. but it's definitely something that when you meet you and you spend time, because a lot of people only know you, say, from social media, we all get these judgments and ways of thinking that people exist through the world. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, when when I met you anyway and when people meet you, I think they're... Because generosity is something that doesn't always come through, say, Instagram or Facebook or whatever. But the level of energy that you're putting out for other people and supporting them on their journey, no matter what level, is really, really high. And I want to know, was that something that you always felt? Did you see it as a kind of a an angle or was it just oh yeah i'm going to start to share my progressions talk a little bit about then that back then and and kind of even now if you want to yeah so i think i would say value like adding value yeah um and that's being generous and i think in the beginning it was just me sharing what i had learned and i know that people can see so maybe it's like inspiration you know like the posts that i was sharing is like i'm really excited about this it wasn't so much about showing off, maybe a little bit, but uh, it's about me showing, hey, like I couldn't do this, I can do it now, so can you. Yeah. And I still try to put that message out there, regardless of you know your excuse, it's not kind of valid. 
um, and you can use these progressions. And now we've developed all these different progressions to get people from the level that I started at to the level that I'm at now or the level that I progressed through. And then also for the people that are starting from the lowest level you can think of. So people that haven't exercised for the last 20 years and, and just sit on the couch, we've still got progressions for those people as well. So we've developed this way of like taking those progressions all the way through up to more advanced. I think my training definitely took a backseat. So my skill, capability, strength, mobility right now could be much greater if I didn't, if I wasn't generous in the way that I have run TMC and brought people in to share my message mm. and to teach them. So I definitely took a backseat, my training and, and myself took a backseat. It's actually coming forward now and I'm realizing how important it is for me to be leading from the front. Mm. So in the last few months, I've been training really hard and that kind of stuff, but it's, it's quite easy to get consumed with giving, 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 and then you kind of forget about yourself. Mm. So that's happened to me a bunch of times over the course of the last, say, four and a half years that we have had TMC. You know, a bunch of, you know, burnouts and you know I get to there was one time it was a couple of years in I was just like giving 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 you know adding so much value I think to everyone's lives around myself and I forgot to give any to myself so it was on like a Thursday and I was just completely burnt out I think I got sick and I was just like that's it and I booked a trip to go to Bali on like the Sunday or something like that so I just took off took five days to relax and then that pattern kind of played out a few times where I'd just go hard, just, you know, trying to grow TMC and also adding value to everyone. And then boom, I'd hit this wall. So I was like, go, 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 run as fast as I could. And then bang, I'd hit this wall. So I'm trying to now allow that to be a bit more imbalanced, to kind of flow through like yin and yang and have rest and time for myself, but also giving out as much as I can. Because what I did realize that I was more... Um, uh, powerful and my message was more powerful in what I could deliver if I was full of energy and full of um, full of life mm. so I'm making sure now that myself I'm the priority and then once my cup's full I can now give even more than what I was before mm. it's interesting because there's a lot of people who have a passion business, they've got an idea, they want to create something. And the thing that stops is this, one of the big hurdles is like, I don't know what to share. I don't know what to put out. I know, I know I'm supposed to do something and write a blog or whatever. And then, but I don't know what to do. And, and the, what if people don't like it? What if the thing, the progression I put out is not right or whatever? And the interesting thing is I think, when we find people, and I see this a lot with kind of small business owners, is when we see people who are putting a lot of value out consistently for a longer period of time, so generous for say, you know, 12 months, two years, whatever it might be, that practice of generating those little gifts, high frequency gifts, little posts for inspiration, uh, it could be anything, it could be motivational, it could be instructional, educational, whatever because you're putting them out so frequently, it starts to almost numb that amygdala a little bit, that little bit of fear, which is like, what if people don't like it? Because mm. you've just been doing it so much. Yeah, sometimes there was two posts a day on Instagram. Yeah. yeah. And then the cool thing is like, we have this posture of like taking action, this prototype thinking, which is like, 
okay, I've got an idea. Then the next day, the idea is I moved 10 levels beyond. And then the next day, it's like launched to the public type thing, which is something the that you The next day, do. I launched it that day. That day, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about that. But I think there's a correlation there. There's like generosity as a training grounds for actually like seeking out the possibility and stepping into it because it's training you, it's training your brain to actually do stuff, mm-hmm. to do something today. And it's like you do a lot of things a lot of days, including big projects like, you know, big TMC projects, stuff like that. Um, is there anything you want to say on that or expand on? It was just interesting that, yeah, you say that how much stuff we've put out over the years. And when I think about it, yeah, at one time we are putting out like two different posts on Instagram, whether that's like a tutorial or just like an inspirational post or whatever it is, progressions, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I guess I have been kind of numbed to, um, to that idea of um, developing that fear around putting the stuff out there. Mm. And there's just no second thought now. If I feel like it's beneficial for someone else, I'll put it out there. Yeah. There's no fear around like, oh, what if someone doesn't like it? Or what if – because people the, – the fact is that some people aren't going to like it. The way that I've always kind of um, put – anything out there on like social media or Instagram, it's always come from the heart. So I'm not trying to be someone that I'm not. It's all very real. It's like, this is what I'm doing today, you know, show the failures as well. And yeah, I'm just, I'm just not scared to, um, and it's always coming from a positive place too. I think that's the biggest point. I'm not trying to put anyone else down to bring myself up. Mm. And I think if you were doing that, that's when the fear would come in. Cause I'm, you know, say if I'm, I'm not doing CrossFit. If I was to, every post that I was doing was to try to rip on CrossFit and say, you know, CrossFit's no good, blah, 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 to try to build what I'm doing up, like that wouldn't work. And there would be some fear around that for sure if that was your way to approach it. But it's always been, this is, hey, this is what I'm doing. If you like it, cool. If not, also cool. Mm. I think that's interesting because you see a lot of people talk about, and this will be really relevant for some people, you see a lot of people talk about you know, it's throwing stones. You need to be able to throw stones at your competition. If you haven't pissed them off by 12 o'clock the next day, you're not doing your marketing right. Yeah. Yeah. Now I, I kind of hear a lot of stone throwing at other businesses, certain ways of doing things and a lack of positioning on what they are doing. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's easy to throw. Oh no, we don't do that. We don't do that kind of thing here. What do you do? And what I see with you is a really strong positioning of this is what we do. And then you're able to let go of the stone throwing because you don't need to because you've got so much, you're so solid on what it is, where you're going. Yeah. So I think that's still important to, um, it's like for and against. Yeah. I still think that that's important. We believe in this and we don't believe in this because there's obviously things that we don't believe in. Yeah. And that comes across in our messages. But I think that there's a way to go about that and it's definitely not, you know, directly, you know, calling out certain people or businesses yeah. or modalities and saying that, you know, this is the wrong way of doing it. Because I think that, you know, if, if it brings you joy and it makes you happy doing what you're doing, well, then I think there's, there's some value in it regardless of what it is. Hmm. And often it can be hard to get really clear on what it is you are doing and yeah. who's it really for, what's your change you're trying to make. And so since it's so hard to really niche down and get clear on it, sometimes it's easier to kind of generally kick some stuff at some other ways of doing things because it's 
too scary to niche down for yourself. Yeah, because you're not clear. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <clears throat> since we're kind of talking a little bit about positioning or how how you operate, talk to me a little bit more. I know I mentioned this earlier, but it's because I'm kind of on a bit of a I'm a bit obsessed at the moment. I think it's just a really interesting area. This concept of playfulness. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, there's a lot of stuff around. You need to play. You need to do this thing. You need to um, do these games and how you play is how you live, all of these lines that have popularized. And then there's also, in some parts of the exercise industry, and when I say that, I mean also movement, crossfit, whatever, there's also an inherent seriousness too because mm-hmm. a lot of it, there's a competition bias Whenever there's competition, there's a you know a finite game, and there's closed boundaries, and a winner and a loser, and then then there's a few rare exceptions where the person who's leading it isn't actually in competition, and there's a open nature to the game that's being played. It's just continual, and then you've got what I see as kind of real playfulness because you have. Um, all levels of the, the tribe, organization, business, whatever, the family, are seeing real playfulness, not an instruction to, we to have play. to play at this time. It's and like force play. Yeah, it's like we're not playing for the first 10 minutes and stopping. Yeah. Like, and I know you're still, I'm not saying, I'm not down-regulating the uh, effectiveness of the training, but talk to me about the playfulness of life and how that comes into movement as well. Right, so talk to me about just playfulness generally. What you think about it in terms of life, like why are you doing your own business, why are you doing all this stuff? How do you, how does it all feel for you, and how are you embodying that? Yeah, you know, and then of course it exudes into your movement. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I think for me, it's like not having an attachment to the outcome. So not keeping score would be a good thing. So when we do play games, like say a warm up game or something like that at TMC. And say it's like something as simple as like the knee tap game or something like that. We're not keeping score. We're just going, we're just playing, and then we move on to something else, right? So I think that once you start to keep track and score, maybe that's when it starts to get a little bit too serious Mm. and you're writing your scores up on the board. So like who's the winner today, things like that. Maybe that is kind of assisting in that um, forced play or like that seriousness that comes in. In terms of life, I try to be as playful as I can. I've noticed myself recently actually getting a little bit more serious when I'm like, you know, like music goes off, like in terms of like sitting down and doing business work, because I'm working on some like big projects at the moment and I find myself like having to like get up and like shake it off and put music on because I'm like, geez, I'm getting really serious, like sitting down with Jenny and doing some work. I'm like, damn, this is not me. What am I doing? Like I'm so, it's almost like I'm too focused and too serious on this one thing that I think that we need to, um, yeah, bring in some playfulness. So Mm. into the, into the work environment as well, not just within movement. So maybe it's like, having regular breaks and doing some juggling or having a little wrestle or, you know, going for a walk and doing some cartwheels or something like that to try to keep, because I think the creativity comes through and innovation comes through when you are creative. Mm. Um, Sorry, when you're playful, Mm. all that stuff comes through when you are being playful. If you're rigid and you've got too much structure, I feel like that kind of inhibits the creativity and um, forward thinking and innovation. Yeah, super interesting. In terms of this concept of innovation, 
I'd say I haven't seen anyone probably put out more projects and more, uh, you know, more, ex let's call them, let's call them experiments than you mm. uh, in a real world setting through and in a way to learn through the business. And there's this concept of uh, prototype thinking, which is like, prototype thinking is just like, hey, you know, we've got an idea, let's try it, see what the early uptake. So you, you put something out, you've got two people, organic uptake, two people pay you for sessions before you even ran it. And so a prototype thinking allows you to fail fast if it's not gonna work, but then the ones which create traction, you continue to go forward. Mm -hmm. But the caveat is you gotta do it a lot. So it's not how often you're right, it's when you are right, what's the magnitude of being right? You're able to keep going. But it means you've got to have a big sample size of trying shit all the time that's not going to work a lot of the time. Uh, and for some people, that's really, really hard because if the first thing they try doesn't work, then it's... They get bummed it, out. Yeah, there's resistance, yeah. So talk about, talk about a, you know, don't have heaps of time. Let's, let's talk about a general approach well it's up to you we can keep going <laughs> talk about a general approach for how you come up with something and this could be this could resonate for any business owner anyone who's got a side project or a side hobby or something like that you've got something in your head you want to try it out what do you do you think it could work like what do you what's the process look like for you in your head and then in terms of the actual actions like whiteboards and whatever how do you yeah. how do you roll it out so for me it's, I don't think it comes from my head it comes from more of a feeling like I said before like I get this this kind of feeling that something needs to change or we want to you know create something new in TMC um, it could like the idea could spark from anywhere it could come from like a video on Instagram that I saw or having a conversation with someone outside of TMC or in TMC um, when things are it, just real important like these feelings are coming when things are still working. Yeah, for so sure. So you're not going, shit, everything's breaking down and people are getting tired of this. I'm yeah. gonna, I have to do something. I, I you're innovating whilst it's still going well. Yeah. Like it's on an upper scale yeah. and you go, and I'm going to change it. I kind of, yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome. crazy, yeah. I um, think that's what we need. Yeah, I think so. And it's really cool that we've, like TMC is quite small at the moment and I don't have to answer to anyone like a board of directors and I think bigger companies may have to, there's a bigger process where they've got to go through all those different stages of making sure that it will work and writing the business plan, that kind of stuff. I get the idea and yeah, at, at times it's not because the business is doing, you know, not so well and we need to make some money or, you know, the vibe in the class is really low and people aren't showing up and oh, we've got to make some changes really quick. Like, what can we do? Because that would be um, like scarcity. Yeah. It always comes from a place of like abundance, I think. So everything's going well. But for me, I think I get bored really quick. So if everyone else is still having a good time, I'm kind of at that next level thinking, oh, what else can we do? You know, even if there's 10 new projects happening all at once, mm. we've got a workshop happening, we've got new classes on, we've got a new teacher, we've got a retreat, retreat coming up, we're working on an online program, corporate stuff, teach, like all these different things, I'm still like, what's next, what's next? So it can be like detrimental, I think. I, and I think that's why I get burnt out because I'm, I'm just excited now talking about it because yeah. I know that I've got all these different things coming up that really excite me. And yeah, and then rolling them out, like you were, you were saying before, I think it comes from that idea. I do check with some people before I roll it out. 
in the beginning, it was kind of like I just do it. But now I love to get feedback. And I think the thing that has made me successful with TMC is asking for help. So asking for help in this um, scenario would be to message a bunch of people with my idea and say, hey, what do you think about this? And I'll take their like, ideas on board. If they say, if all of them come back, if I message five people and all of them come back and say, you know, I don't think it's such a good idea. That's never happened, by the way. Everyone's mm-hmm. normally like, yeah, this seems pretty good. Go with it. Um, I'll take it on board, but it'll still be, you know, it's up to me to make the decision. And I don't think there's been any time that I can think of with inside TMC or um, any of my coaching or anything that I've done outside of TMC that I've messaged a few people and say, what do you think about this? It's come back to me and then I haven't done it. Even if I think there's a slight chance that it might work or might benefit someone from hosting a workshop or doing something different, membership structure, whatever, I'll still roll it out. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And there's been plenty of times, like when I first started up TMC, when we only just started to get a few members in, when we, once we started to do some classes, uh, we had times where I turned up and there was no one there. So there was, and I just kind of utilized that time instead of like, you know, sitting down with my arms crossed and, and crying about being a failure, I'd be like, all right, cool. Like, why didn't people show up? Okay. Not enough people know about it yet. Cause it's only just opened up in the last few months. Let's get this. So then I do a post and I put another post out there and, and advertise it or, you know, add some value by doing a tutorial or something mm-hmm. like that. And I was always, yeah, if, if something didn't work so well, I would always look, how can we make that better next time? Or how can we re, you know, jig it so it's like, you know, a completely new idea later on that actually will work. Because I don't think it's like, um, it might maybe the way that it's presented, it's like the business model needs to change. Like the business is good. Mm. Like the idea is solid, um, like a product, an idea. It's often like the business, like the model, the way that it was presented, the price, the structure was not correct. Mm. So then we need to, how do we change that to make sure that the majority of people will jump on board and think that it's awesome? Yeah, I just see such a cool loop that's almost hard to articulate between this concept of generosity, the playfulness, then the ability to create ideas, so creativity, right? And then if you stick with this, then the creativity, then you've got stepping into action, so making it part of reality, testing, so test phase, like put an idea out, maybe two people sign up straight away, great, that's a good sign, keep going. Or pivot, if it's no good, you've got the playfulness, you're generous, oh, it didn't work, so it didn't work. That's cool. Like, yeah. it's, that's cool, like, right? So if it works, keep going. Uh, and then you get to build on the generosity, expand on the idea. Then you maybe put some financial backing behind it or grow it, see the results, and then do it again. You've yeah. got the generosity. It comes back around yeah. and you can re- yeah, yeah. re-work it. And this, this thing is like, I, I wrote this um, ebook. actually it's, just gone up but it's that intent is actually playful and when you know where you're going you know who it is who you are you found your voice you know who tmc is you get to relax and you get to go aha okay let's play with this now and allow the whole loop to go through but if you're still on the scarcity side of it and you're not sure and there's no intent then as soon as you get stuck you on social media you're looking at a competitor what else should i do like you sit in there frustrated the whole thing falls away. The playfulness can't exist because there's no intent behind where you're going with your life, where you're going with the project. And I think that, you know, your, where it shows up uh, from a business side is like, 
continuous innovation, yeah. continuous, like it's, it's exciting. And, and that's awesome. It's such a good vibe to be around. And then the, the, in the personal, like it shows up, people see on social media and it's almost hard to believe that the level of playfulness, the level of like that, that fun that can be had through the business actually isn't put on. It's not actually a sh- It's almost so hard it's to believe. Like I try, I try yeah. to make sure that it's real. You it's know? real. Like, yeah. When you meet you, it's like people like all the time, two things they say, like one is like, I hear it because they come into TMC or whatever. So but man, this place is huge, way bigger than I thought. Yeah. And then, wow, Rod's like, he's really that playful. Like he's really that guy, you know, and it's like amazing. And now I've got a bunch of people around me that are the same. Yeah. You know, we've got Sean and Jenny and was, and all the coaches that are like, um, that are on that same level. So they're all providing so much value and playfulness. So it's really cool to have like this whole team of people just like pushing that innovation, the creativity and the playfulness. So it's, yeah, it's, it's really in a good place right now. Yeah. High vibes. Throughout the culture. And then also, you know, and maybe this is a good place to kind of go to, to finish because I wanted to ask you what is TMC life, you know, because I think you got this in the culture at the top level. So it's lateral, you got playfulness, you got, you know, creativity, all of these things, this idea generation, mentality, testing, um, being able to pivot, being able to have fun, and still doing a great job, trickles down. If I walk into the space as a new member, like there's energy in there, right? Like I'm going to feel that same thing. So talk to us about TMC life, just generally, what does it mean? Um, your ideas, what is it, what's the change you want to create? What is this all about, this TMC stuff? So I would say creating leaders, if I was to pick one thing. So instead of people coming in, just following a certain workout or some sort of routine or learning a new mobility drill, we actually teach our students or our members how to lead, how to teach. So quite often we get them to spot. So there's a lot of partner work. So if they can understand it enough that they can see that someone else needs help or they can help someone else, then they're going to learn from that. So they're becoming a leader. And I think there's just like huge benefits from that, you know, from we've got this thing now that it's like a five minute um, personal goals. So they're all working on their personal goals and we just do it every couple of blocks. So they've got five minutes and they just go off in the middle of class and they work on their personal goals. And it's so awesome for me to just look around and see that each person is working on something individually and they're working towards something that they want to work on. They're not standing there ready to take the next order. So for me to see that, I'm like, yeah, all right, we're moving in the right direction. And for that to spread outside of TMC. So that starts in the class environment. And whether they know it or not, they are becoming leaders by teaching. And then that will transfer to their families. They know how to teach a handstand now. They know how to do a handstand. They know how to teach a handstand. Maybe they go home and teach their little nephew or someone else in their family. Or they learn uh, a shoulder exercise that creates stability in the shoulders so they learn about hanging and they're like this is so good for my shoulders my auntie has really bad shoulders i'm going to show her this and then it just starts to spread outside of tmc and i can already see that happening which is really cool yeah i'd say i see that happening pretty much every day yeah um so from what i'm hearing what excites you is 
not just seeing the, the people leveling up inside the walls of the business, but also the, if we, if we kind of use tribes terminology like this, uh, communication from inside to outside. So from people who are inside the tribe, learning about these ways of moving, learning about this way of life, this way we can approach movement, then developing the confidence to be able to articulate and express this to someone who's you know, not necessarily walking down the street, but yeah. someone they know, someone outside. Is that kind of what you're... Yeah, definitely. And you can imagine how good um, they would feel about that as well. So I know how good it feels to teach someone something yeah. and without any... Um, uh, idea that I'm going to get something back in return for me to just share an idea or something that I know is going to help someone. So I know how good that feels. So to give someone else the tools to do that and f- to see them actually do that and to share that knowledge, I know that that's going to make them feel good. And then that, and it just kind of just, will just go on from there. When it comes to like TMC life, another point that I think that we really like to make is that we like to blur the lines between exercise or fitness and your life. So we always try to teach people that playfulness should come into your everyday life. If you find yourself in a position for too long, make sure you're getting up and moving. A good example is if we go to the beach, we no longer sit at the beach and just kind of watch the water. We're always moving. Like if if a bunch of the guys from TMC go down the beach, you'll definitely be able to see those guys. You know, they'll be doing handstands, they'll be doing back handsprings and flips and all sorts of stuff. So I think that actually blurring those lines and integrating what it what we think like fitness is and what we should be doing physically with our bodies actually is not separate to how we should be living our lives in general like it's it's the same for us anyway and i think it yeah it's it's an important point that everyone should kind of take on board yeah i love it so the the podcast is called access potential podcast Potential, basic access potential, obviously potential is like theoretical. So it's not actually something we can grab because as soon as we grab it, there's more in front, right? So it's this kind of weird paradox. But is there anything else that you want to talk about from any of the things that we spoke on that might resonate with someone out there who's wanting to explore, you know, for you aside of something kind of on the side and... and get you know become more skilled and more um, able in this new area or whether it's on a bigger you know bigger uh, scope like an actual business or uh, you know part of their life that you know is, is you know more significant is there anything else that comes to mind in terms of that growth mindset you're talking about? just taking action if you've got an idea the only way you're going to know that it works is by taking action and if it doesn't work out exactly the way you had planned it it doesn't matter. It's all, it's all lessons. So you learn the lesson, go again. If that doesn't work, maybe that's not the right thing. Maybe you like change it up a little bit and then you try again. I think it's just like a constant, like you said before, just like constant process of like finding what's the new thing. How do we uh, be creative and playful in the way that we approach that? And if it doesn't work, cool. What do we learn? Let's go again and let's go again. And I think that that, if you can keep on that endless cycle, then you're eventually going to get somewhere. Even if you fail like a hundred times eventually you'll get to the point where you're like, all right, this is starting to work now. This is starting to take hold. I think that applies with, with any business. Cool. I love it. I think we'll probably wrap it up there. So just check out uh, on the website, 
got a new little thing sometimes I'll put in the show notes something uh, a little bit extra so on this episode if you jump on to the website you'll see Rod takes us through a tour of TMC and I wanted him to show us because it's massive and it's a pretty cool space one of the coolest kind of uh, gyms or movement space I've been in so have a look on there it's like a five minute video it talks a little bit about the background and, and the history of it all uh, is there anything else Rod do you want to add in no I think that's it I think we covered most things yep take action that's it yeah awesome alright thanks everyone uh, if you know anyone who's interested in creating something for themselves a business uh, you know even relationships work whatever it might be uh, I think this is a really good episode. Pass it along. That's the most helpful thing you can do for me as well. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next one. Yo.